Warriors, bold, brave, and beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us on Women to Warriors podcast. You can also check us out at womentowarriors.com. We have a lot of information where you can be bold, brave, and beautiful in your fierce faith. And this is our session six study that you're studying with us, our tribe study on faith and fire. Wow, has this been awakening for my own personal self. I have loved this study. I feel fiercer through this study. I've listened to these podcasts and as well as watched the videos with you and then with not with you when I've been out of town but this is powerful warriors and I really encourage you to make sure that you are doing the diligence of your study the five days in between those two weeks powerful get in there dig in there and I promise you your life will change because God is the God of promises and he's already changed my life and I know he can change yours in amazing ways too well this study week six do you hear what I hear thanks for joining us The Old Testament prophets were the clarion call of God in culture. They were the ones who brought the truth of God, the standard of God, to call people back from their waywardness and back from their rebellion, to remind people that God still was who he said he was and that he would still accomplish everything that he said he would accomplish. Do you understand that in our culture, right now in modern times, Sons and daughters need to rise up in the spirit of Elijah with prophetic voices that speak truth even when they're speaking truth to power, that do not back down, that have boldness. Oftentimes, we are looking for great men and women out there somewhere, someone else to be that prophetic voice. But I came to tell you today that it's you. You're the one who's been called in your high school, on your university campus, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your circle of friends, you're the sounding board. You're the one that is supposed to be the pinprick of light and hope in the midst of the darkness. So I'm praying that this week, God gives you ears to hear what the Spirit is saying so that you can then be his mouthpiece and declare it to everyone who comes across your path. Welcome to week six of Elijah. admit something to you if there you know and there are many things that I'm not quite good at one of those things is that I'm not great at message titles I just can't ever really figure out a label that you know is well packaged and seems to encapsulate everything that I want to share in the context of a message so it's just like pulling teeth for me to come up with a message title but for this one it actually ended up being pretty simple So if you're the kind of lady that likes to have a title to write neatly at the top of your notebook, I've got a title for you and here it is. Do you hear what I hear? Because in this portion of scripture, in full demonstration of his role as the prophet, the voice and the declaration of God's truth and his hand and his activity among the people, Elijah will tune the king in to something he is hearing that the king is unable to detect in his own natural capacity. We see the story unravel and unfold in 1 Kings chapter 18. I want to read to you verses 41 
through 45. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. For there is the sound of a roar of a heavy shower. So Ahab, he went up to eat and drink. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he crouched down on the earth. He put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, well, go up now and look toward the sea. So the servant went up and he looked and then he came back and said, there's nothing. So Elijah said, go back seven times, he said it. And it came about that on the seventh time, the servant came back and said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. And in a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was indeed a heavy shower. Elijah is getting ready to say that I can hear something that you can't hear, and I can see something that you can't see, and I am anticipating something that you are not yet discerning enough to anticipate. Rain is coming. And without, as of yet, one cloud in the sky, there wasn't even, even a noticeable gust of wind that was in the air. And without one burst of thunder to build any level of anticipation, Elijah says to the king, get ready, rain is coming. I can hear in the spiritual realm what you are unable to detect in the physical realm. King, do you hear what I hear? Now, you remember that in the first verse of this chapter, Yahweh had told him, if you go present yourself to Ahab, I'm going to end the drought and I'm going to send rain. And this is faith that Elijah just believed God, even when he had no proof, even when his physical senses weren't able to detect what it was that God had said. This is what faith is. It is aligning your life, aligning what you say, aligning what you proclaim to others, and aligning what you say to yourself, what you proclaim to yourself, aligning it with the truth and the promises of God's word. This is faith. That when God says it, we proclaim what he says, because in him the promises of God are yes and they are amen. And so even if you have no physical evidence that you can't detect with your five physical senses any proof that the rain is coming, because we operate by the power and the presence and the discernment of the Spirit of God, we should still be able to live in alignment with the promises that our God has declared to us. So just like Elijah, if God said it, then let's proclaim it. Let that be the word that comes out of our mouths. He said it, let's proclaim it. That's exactly what Elijah did. Listen, there are promises from your God. They're scattered throughout the scriptures. In fact, did you know that there are over 8,000 promises that are detailed throughout the scriptures? That means 8,000 opportunities that we really do have to experience God, not just read about him in the pages of scripture, but actually experience his move in our lives, the tangible reflection of his presence around us. God's promises are scattered throughout all of the scripture. There's detail of his character, characteristics that are unchanging and spiritual realities and divine perspectives about circumstances that we are very much in need of. And the people in your sphere of influence, specifically those who are unbelieving, those who do not have the spirit of God, they do not have ears to hear and they don't have eyes to see they are depending on you and me to be the ones that are the proclaimers of a perspective that they do not have access to. So I got to ask you, are you speaking 
what God says about the circumstance that you're facing. Are you speaking what God says more than you're saying what you think or what the opinions of others are? Why not? God's promises you can count on. You know, I'm thinking about this in relationship to my boys, and I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. Um, since they were very little, and I've mentioned to you, they're, you know, huge giants now. But when they were very, very little, I started this habit of speaking God's word to them. And I've, it's changed through the years, little variations of it. In fact, I have um, three different versions of pretty much the same thing that I've written down and I just kind of put on the wall near the garage door. So when they're walking outside of the house toward the back of the house and they've got to go through the garage, they've got to pass these little handwritten notes that basically just declare who they are according to the word of the Lord. And I've spoken over them since they were little. And I have pictures of them when they would hold their hands over their ears or roll their eyes. It was kind of funny when they were little because I'd say to them, you are a man of integrity and character and honesty. And you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And you will put on the full armor of God so that you can stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. And you will bless the Lord at all times and his praises will continually be in your mouth and you are the head you are not the tail you are above you are not beneath you are a leader you are not a follower I speak that over them and they can say it back to me most of the time begrudgingly they'll add in their comments and say yeah I love the Lord with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength but even though they say it back to me that way sometimes because they just want me to hurry up and get through it the reality is that the fact they can say it back to me means that the promises of God are being absorbed they're being absorbed into their little hearts and their little minds and I'm speaking God's promises over them even when honestly I don't always see the fruit of that as they grow and they mature into young men of course there are going to be lapses in integrity and character and weaknesses and faults and flaws that we have to discipline them through and help them to navigate of course there are but I continue to speak God's promises over them because God's promises are true even if they have lapses in their behavior and I want them to absorb and live in light of the perspective that they might not be able to see in the moment that I might not be able to see in the moment but I want that to govern the way that we rule our lives I want that to be the perspective that comes out of my mouth and that shapes the environment that I'm in I remember taking uh, the boys to see a 3D movie. There were two options available, 2D, 3D. And they said, mom, let's see the 3D option. And this particular occasion, Jude, my youngest, he was really little at the time. And so we walk in, we get our tickets, we get into the theater, we take our seats and the movie starts. Previews were fine, but then the actual film starts and I'm looking down at my boy a couple times and I realize that he has a very perplexed um, expression that is on his face. He just seems to be completely bewildered by everything that is happening in front of him. And I looked over and I said, hey, Jude, you okay? And he said, well, the, the screen is completely blurry. Mom, can you see that? And I said, yeah, you can't see it. And he said, no, I mean, Mom, I can see it, but this is a terrible film. It's, it's all blurry. And I looked at him closely and I realized that he did not have the 3D glasses on that he'd been given at the beginning of the film. I said, buddy, when we walked in, they gave us those little glasses. Where are your glasses? Put them on. He put those glasses on and he said, oh, mom, I can see. I can see. This kind of film wasn't made to be viewed unless you had the right perspective, the right lenses on through which to view it. And many of us are walking through life 
and it looks so perplexing and confusing and blurry and we don't have the right perspective and the people around us do not either. That's because we're supposed to be seeing it as believers through a specific lens and from a specific perspective that God's promises give us access to. The Spirit of God helps you to be able to discern things, hear things, see things that are back there behind the veil of the physical realm so that you don't react the same way everybody else reacts, so that you don't respond and behave and have an attitude that other people might have because you are able to see things clearly from the perspective that God's Spirit has given you access to. You are the one that has been commissioned into your sphere of influence to help people hear things they can't hear and see things that they can't see. You don't adapt to your surroundings. Your surroundings, as you live in light of God's promises, they need to begin to adapt to you as you communicate God's word and God's promises clearly. I remember a story um, that was told a long time ago by a, a preacher. I was sitting in church and I'll never forget this illustration. He said that there was a great big ship that was traveling down a body of water. And as it traveled forward at night with its lights on and lit clearly so that it could move forward and navigate safely, there was another light that was headed in its direction. It seemed like they were going to be on a collision course. And so the captain kind of got on the loud projecting speaker and said, move six degrees north. And a voice came back after a while from the light that was ahead and said, move six degrees south. Once again, the captain came on as they were getting closer and closer and it seemed like there was going to be a collision. He started to get nervous. He said, move six degrees north. A voice came back, move six degrees south. Finally, one, one more time, the captain tried to figure out how to make sure that, that they didn't collide with each other and things were getting dangerous at this point. One final time, he got on and said, I am a captain in the United States Navy. I demand that you move six degrees north. And a voice came back. You move six degrees south. I am the lighthouse. When you're the lighthouse, you don't move. When you have the light, when you have the truth, you stand steady. God's promises are sure. They are unchanging. You be the light in the midst of the darkness. Elijah did not side with the majority, anybody around who wondered how there could be rain with no clouds in the sky. Elijah did not side with his closest friend, the servant who was there, who kept bringing back word, not once, not twice, not three times, but six full times he kept bringing back word that there was absolutely no proof that there was going to be rain. Elijah didn't side with even that closest friend. He did not side with anyone or anything that he saw except God's word. And he allowed God's word spoken to him to bring perspective into the predicament that they were facing. Without his one lone voice proclaiming God's promises and perspective, it would have been completely lost in this scenario. There was no meteorological proof that rain was coming. There was absolutely no sign in the atmosphere that the drought was about to end. But what Elijah did not do was let his five physical senses tell what he could or could not detect. He didn't let that govern and determine his reaction to the situation. God said it, and he decided he was going to proclaim what God said, point blank, period. 
What are you saying about your circumstances, about your situation? What are you rehearsing about the problem that you are facing? Are you declaring God's promises, not only to yourself, I'm talking about why you look in the bathroom mirror. Girl, just remind yourself about what God has said about you, about your emotional stability, about his presence with you, about your marriage, about your children, about your own sense of peace of heart and mind. Speak God's promises to your own self. And then speak God's promises to those who are around you, who are despairing, who are unsettled, who have lost their emotional equilibrium, who are being sucked into all the discouragement that they feel because of what they're facing and what they see happening in the world around us. You be the light in the midst of the darkness. It requires spiritual discernment. It requires spiritual insight to be able to see the things that cannot be seen in the physical realm to be able to hear the things that you cannot hear, except the Holy Spirit heighten your spiritual ears so that you will be able to hear what God is saying in the midst of everything that is happening around you. The Holy Spirit is the one who will give you the capacity, who will heighten your spiritual senses, who will remind you of God's promises and then give you clarity of how they apply to your specific circumstances. And then he's the one who gives you boldness to proclaim those promises to everyone one who is around you. If God said it, then you be the one to proclaim it. And then in verse 41, Ahab goes up to eat and drink. But look what Elijah does. Elijah goes up to the top of Mount Carmel and he crouches down to the earth. He puts his face between his knees and the implication here is that he prayed. Well, if there is one characteristic that has been a continuous habit and discipline of Elijah's life, it is this one constant unchanging reality. He prays. He prays when he's alone. He prays when he's around people. He prays when it's easy to pray. He prays when it's difficult to pray. In fact, over in the New Testament in James chapter 5 verse 17, Elijah is described way in the New Testament as a man who was earnest in prayer. And listen, it says that he prayed even then that it would not rain, meaning that he prayed even when he knew that praying in alignment with God's will was going to bring consequences that actually was going to negatively affect him. He loved God's truth so much and wanted God's will to be done and his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. He wanted that so desperately that he was even willing to pray when the answer was going to make his own life inconvenient. And so he prayed while at the brook and he prayed at Zarephath and he prayed on Mount Carmel in front of the prophets of Baal. And now after the brutal and necessary slaughter of the prophets in the Kishon Valley, he marches back up to the top of Mount Carmel again and he assumes a posture of prayer and he's praying in alignment with the specific promises that Yahweh has given him. What does this tell us? It tells us that if God said it, not only should we proclaim it, but if God said it, we should also pray in alignment with it. Whatever promises God has given you, we should pray toward those promises in alignment with those truths that God has given us. Some people often ask in regards to prayer, why would we pray about something that God has already promised to do? It's a great question. And it is because prayer is the privilege that God has given us to in a way, in a way, be a partner with him in his activity being realized on earth. 
Prayer is, as I've said earlier and want to reiterate again, it is a key that God has given us so that we can unlock what he plans to do anyway so that we can have access to it and he can allow it to be experienced in the landscape of our lives. Prayer doesn't manipulate God. It doesn't force his hand. He just allows us to be his partner in the process. There's this beautiful symmetry in his will being done, his promises being realized when his people pray. So when we see and when we hear and when we understand what God's promises are through his word, they actually shouldn't dull our prayer lives thinking, well, God has promised it, so why should we waste our time praying? No, his promises are what ignite our prayer lives with an extra measure of confidence and assurance as we pray. Maybe we would lack that assurance, but now when you know you're praying according to actually what God himself has said, it gives you a courage in prayer. So now instead of floundering around in our prayer lives and just, you know, throwing something out there and hoping it sticks, we have concrete truths on which to rest our prayer. God's promises then become at once an arrow pointing us in the right direction. And in and of themselves, these promises also become the destination. They give us something concrete on which to rest our prayer lives. So you don't have to know the details of how everything is going to work out, but you can base a single prayer directly on the promises of God because he is not a man that he should lie. And I've been thinking about sometimes how prayer can be difficult, you know, depending upon what you're facing in your life in that particular season. It literally can be difficult to form the words. And I, I want you to know that from my own experience that as I have mentioned to you throughout our time together, it has been a tough couple years for us. As a family, for me personally, we've experienced the loss of one family member after another, including a cousin of mine who actually was my best friend in her just late 30s, mid 30s actually, four small children. We experienced the loss of my beloved grandfather and then not even a full month later, the loss of my own mother. And then a week after her funeral, I had to go in to have a major, major surgery because of something that they found in my lung and one thing after the other. And even as I was recovering from that lung surgery, then all of the crisis hit with the pandemic that was faced globally. And then before we could even, all of us could recover from that, then racial tensions bubbled to the surface here in the United States of America. It's been one thing after the, the other. And sometimes when the load of life is really heavy, and you feel like you just can't even come up with the words that you could say to pray. I'm telling you, base your prayers directly on the promises of God. Literally just say exactly right back to him what he's already said to you. What better thing to pray than just to say, Lord, this is what you said. So I'm going to go ahead and pray completely and fully in alignment with, with what it is that you have already said. And, and sometimes there are resources. I brought a couple of them. There are books like these that I will use that have been given to me, like The Valley of Vision. It's just an old book filled with beautiful prayers laced with the promises of God or John Bailey's A Diary of Private Prayer. I've had these in my collection for several years now. And these are the times 
when I pull them out and the prayers that are written, I'm telling you, literally, I read them right off of the page. There's no shame in that, in having these words that are steeped in theology and the promises of God become the track that you run, run on. And you will find that as you do, that certain words or sentences or phrases actually then become a springboard that ignite your own prayer life. But don't shy away from literally just praying what it is that God has promised. If God said it, then not only let that be what you proclaim, but if God said it, then you also need to pray in alignment with it. And then in verse 43, Elijah said to the servant, go up now and look. If God said it, proclaim it. If God said it, then you pray in alignment with it. And if God said it, I mean, if you really believe God said it, then let's look for it. He says to the servant, I need you to be my eyes and ears. Not because I'm wondering whether or not if God's going to answer, but because at the first indication that God is beginning to answer, I want to be aware of that. I want to know when my God starts answering. There are two beautiful lessons that I see here. The first is that Elijah refused to lead a lazy prayer life. He prioritized prayer. Yes, indeed he did. But he also had his eyes peeled, looking to take notice of what was happening in the atmosphere. He wanted to be aware of when God actually was moving in his circumstances, in his surroundings. So sister, yes, prioritize prayer. Don't ever forget to pray. But don't be so cooped up in your prayer closet that you never emerge from it to look for traces of God's hand working around you. As you go throughout the regular rhythms of your everyday life, you got to keep looking. You got to have your spiritual eyes peeled to the horizon of your life to look and see what it is that God is already doing in the encounters that you have, the chance encounters, in the opportunities that come to you, in the doors that are opened and the doors that begin to close, in the coincidences that people call coincidence. You can detect it as the sovereign providential hand of God moving in your midst. You can always have on the back burner of your mind and in your heart those things that you have been praying so that as you go about actively pursuing the details of your regular life, you are always aware of how what's happening could be connected to what it is that you've prayed. And so keep on praying, but also you got to keep on looking. It reminds me of the prophet Habakkuk. There's a whole book that is named after him, one, another one of the Old Testament prophets. And in his book, the entire first chapter of it is him praying. It's him calling out to God. And honestly, he's venting while he prays. He's frustrated, a little bit upset. He's asking God things like, why? And he's asking him how long he's looking at all the disaster around him, all of the destruction, all the decay of the society. And he's asking God, when will you move and when will you come through? And he does this through most of the first chapter. But then when he gets to the second chapter, it says, Habakkuk says, I'm going to climb up on the watchtower now and I'm going to stand and wait and look to see what it is that my God will speak to me. 
The watchtower was basically a stronghold. It was a fortress that a watchman would climb up on so that he was up above ground level circumstances so that he wouldn't be distracted with petty stuff. And he would walk up there. He would keep his eyes peeled toward the horizon so that if an enemy was coming, at first sight of the enemy, he would be able to detect that they were coming. Or if a neighboring king was coming in peace, he'd want to send word down so people could prepare the gifts for the neighboring king or prepare for an oncoming attack. But he would rise up above ground level circumstances so that he could look and clearly see when someone was coming. Elijah's example shows us to pray like that with our eyes then peeled toward the horizon so that we can catch the first glimpse that our king is on the way. He says, go look. I need to be able to prepare for it, what it is that God is gonna do. I need to know when my God is beginning to move. And so we have to be active in our looking to see when the hand of God is beginning to move in response to our prayers. But that's not the only observation I see here. Not only that we can't be lazy in our prayer lives, but also sometimes, just sometimes, it takes someone else close to us who is willing to point out the tiny cloud of God's intervention that is forming in the sky above our lives. Because sometimes, be honest, you can't clearly make it out and neither can I. When we're in the throes of spiritual warfare, when we're in the throes of difficulty, sometimes we can't see clearly. We're praying, but we just can't make out because of all the fog that is around us or the dry moment that we find ourselves in. We don't even have the energy to come up for air and actually pay attention to what it is that God is doing. But this servant, this comrade of Elijah's, he, it was his eyes and ears. And so he was willing to come back and to share with Elijah what it was that he saw on his behalf. We need people around us. And if you're in a Bible study group right now, I would venture to say there are probably some sisters sitting around you who are willing to be your eyes and ears. You need some people who are persistent enough, who are patient enough, who love you enough that they are willing to keep their eyes peeled to the horizon of your life to detect God's handiwork. And this comrade of Elijah's, he did not downplay even the smallest hint of Yahweh's faithfulness. As soon as that servant caught sight of the beginnings of God's movement, even just a cloud the size of a hand, he reported it to Elijah as encouragement that rain was on the way. We need friends like that. We need some people who are going to encourage us about what they do see instead of constantly reminding us, reminding us of what they don't see. Do you have people like that in your life? Even recently, I was talking with some folks about the ministry that we have navigated for the past 20 years. And we were just talking about how did you know what it was that God wanted you to do? You know who it was or how that happened? How my, my life, when I look back in hindsight, has unfolded? It's friends that have been around me. That as I've prayed and sought guidance about what I should do or what I shouldn't do, where I should go in ministry or in marriage or as a mother, what I should do to navigate my life, there were people around me who loved me enough. Mentors, people older and wiser than me, and also peers who loved the Lord. And I would share with them what it is that I was praying about. And it was them, especially when I was in the thick of it in seasons of my life. And they would begin to remind me of God's faithfulness. They would begin to, to point me in the direction of the little hints of God's goodness all around us. 
And so if God said it, you proclaim it. If God said it, you pray in alignment with it. If God said it, then you make sure your eyes are peeled and you look for it. And then finally in verse 44, Elijah says to the servant, you go tell Ahab, prepare your chariot. Go down because the heavy shower will stop you if you don't start off right now. If God said it, go ahead and prepare for it. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith prepares in advance. Faith anticipates according to the truth of God's word what it is that he plans to do on, on your behalf. And then we align our lives not based on where we currently are and what we can currently see. We align our lives based on the truth of what our God's word has, sa has said to us. I remember packing to go to Sydney, Australia. I've been there, I think, three times in my life. It's one of my favorite places to visit. They're on the other side of the world from where I live, which means that when it is hot in July in Dallas, Texas, it is freezing cold in Sydney, Australia. So there I stand, preparing to go to Sydney, Australia, standing in my closet, trying to figure out what to pack. Of course, in Texas in the summer, I've got a tank top on or a t-shirt and some shirts or some loose fitting pants because man, it's for real hot in Texas in the summer. But I'm packing to go to Australia. So I can pack easily the clothes that are right at the top of my drawer, the t-shirt and the shorts or the tank top, but that's not going to help me for where I'm headed. I have to actually think forward about the weather that is going to be in place when I get to my destination. And then I've got to pack my bags, not in accordance with where I am. I have to pack my bags uh, uh, in accordance and in alignment with where I'm going. Otherwise, I'm going to get there and I'm not going to be able to enjoy it. I'm not going to be able to be fitted for it. I won't be prepared for it. Think forward, sister, about where it is that God is taking you, what it is that he has already promised you and declared to you about your life, and then prepare for it. Go ahead and start acting like God is telling the truth. My dad said to me this phrase that I can't forget. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, so that it might be so simply because God said so. That's faith. Ask the Lord to begin to line your life up right now to prepare to receive his promises. Even with only a small palm-sized wisp of cloud in the sky, Elijah says, prepare for a full-on rainstorm. Act like Yahweh is telling the truth. Act like he can do exactly what he said he would. Don't allow your current reality to dictate your actions, to dictate your attitudes or your responses or your behaviors. Live with tomorrow in mind. Make your choices based on where you're headed. What is lying ahead of you on the horizon of your life based on the promises of God for your family, for your ministry, for your marriage, for your own creative endeavors? Pack your bags because listen to me, rain is coming. Verse 45 says that it came about in just a little while, that the sky grew black with clouds and the wind began to blow and there was indeed a heavy shower. Enjoy this final week of your Bible study. I'll see you next week.